anyway, yes, I think we should try it, that Eddie snack bar one of these days. One of these days. It's uh, it's by my house. You would think I would have tried it by now. Yeah, we were. Have you actually gone by it and seen where it is? No, I actually haven't. That, don't they use Goku as like their logo? It's like a silhouette of Goku, of like little kid Goku. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. Yeah, it's it's like in the garage of a house there. You know where? Um, hey, little... hey, hey, hang on a second. Do you hear that? No. Oh, hey, I think we're getting a. Hey, it's Josh. No. Let, let me just push this button right here. Damn it! Don't. Boom! Season six. Let's do this. Uh, Told you not to. Hi. <laughs> His name is Brandon. Brandon Heat. Welcome to Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. And was he wrong? He's Andy. <laughs> I'm always wrong. You're wrong to push the button. <laughs> <laughs> because we did make the wrong decision after all. Because Josh is here. Uh, I, yeah, well, you shouldn't have opened it. You know I was coming. Ew. <laughs> and I can't seem to remember where things took the turn for the worst. I'm Bill. Hey, guys. Hi. It's season six of Tuning Japanese. We're here with a brand new season, brand new episodes, brand new reviews. It's almost like a brand new show because Josh is yeah, here. Yeah, a brand new guest star. A brand new guest star. Yep. Uh, welcome, welcome guest star Josh, who's going to be joining us for season six. For hopefully a, the whole thing. A couple episodes. Hopefully the whole thing. Uh, welcome back, Josh. How you doing? Yeah, things have been kind of crazy. I haven't been working for a few months because I've been on short-term disability. I have okay, we don't care about the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Josh, for real, I'm glad that you're. Uh, yeah, glad that you're back. Glad you're okay. Uh, yes, and we're going to be talking about a brand new anime for season six, as per usual, and this is. Uh, it's a, a multiple of three, so it's Josh's pick, and Josh, as we talked about at the end of season five, has brought to us uh, the anime Gungrave, which <laughs> I'm very, very interested in exploring, discussing, diving deep into this this story, because it's an, it's an interesting story that goes some weird places, as we'll see as it goes forward. Damn right. Um, this is probably one of my top tier anime of all time. Andy, I think you would have to agree with me here. This is on, this is on the upper level of your favorite animes, correct? I enjoy it quite a bit. I've had, uh, I remember watching it with you and then immediately getting the DVDs myself because I wanted to continue watching, continue coming continue. over to my place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be, be, being able to watch it kind of on my own too. And, uh, it is a, it is a good anime with a, a really interesting story. Um, a good story too. It's it, it's yeah. It's very well written. 
stumbling blocks at the beginning, but I think that really catches its stride fairly quick. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that when we talk about the, I think the episode one and two, especially. I definitely would agree that it has, starts a little rough and a little slow, but it definitely picks up as you go through. Definitely. But we'll get there in a bit. First, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, or least favorite segment. It's nerd news time. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, and I'd like to start. Um, I promised a good friend of the show, super fan Matt, that I would mention and talk about this. So uh, a couple weeks ago, there was an announcement for The Irresponsible Captain Tyler is coming to Blu-ray. <laughs> yes, I saw that. Yeah, for the, for the very first time uh, in America, it's coming to, to DVD, Blu-ray, in this case, Blu-ray. Uh, and if you are not sure what The Irresponsible Captain Tyler is, it is an anime series that we did a bonus episode with Superfan Matt. Uh, we, I think it was just you and myself, Bill, and Matt, we talked about the episode. I don't believe Josh is on for that one. No, um, I we was... talked, I think, about the first two episodes, maybe? Yes. I'm not sure that's not where we established present two episodes for a guest star. It was uh, an interesting show, to say the least. <laughs> um, so there is there is a, and this is coming from RightStuffAnime.com, um, the, there is a collector's edition that is being pr- uh, pushed out doing pre-orders for and says the and I'm just going to read from the website the irresponsible captain tyler collection ultra edition includes all 26 episodes of the irresponsible captain tyler tv series as well as the complete 10 episode ova series on blu-ray for the first time in north america also includes three extra dvds with over 5 hours of extras and possibly more i'll get to the possibly more in a minute the ultra edition hardback uh 10 by 8 inch uh art book will be uh, numbered and includes, well, it's up to you, because they're doing stretch goals a la like a Kickstarter, but through their pre-order website. Um, So there is a possible upgrade for that autographed cover of the book, um, upgrading it to become a mini lithograph. And they've got a whole bunch of extras for content on the extra DVDs. Um, So far, they've unlocked a Spanish audio track, some bonus extras from the original Japanese release, uh, some shorts and interviews, and they've got a whole bunch of other stuff, including the last one there. If they can get 1,500 uh, pre-orders, uh, an English voice cast retrospective as well. So uh, a lot of extra stuff that they're putting on this. Now, Bill, you watch Captain Tyler. Um, yes. Does this sound like something that would be of interest to you after we did watch a couple episodes? I mean, I'm not a big enough fan to wear the Captain Tyler shorts or anything, but uh... <laughs> uh, you be, you make him very upset for uh, for not uh, not promoting his shorts. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would watch it. It wasn't terrible. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what we saw. Speaking a little bit of Superman, Matt, I think it was pretty pricey. Oh yeah, I'm about to get there. <laughs> so so who uh, the Blu-ray with the art book that's not autographed. Um, again, all those things we talked about, plus all the stretch goals potentially, is going to run you $199.99. Oh, you're not, just wait, wait, wait to this, Josh. If you want the, if you want the autographed limited edition, you're paying $349.99. So like when we say autographed, like Whose autographs are we talking about? Are we, are we talking about like voice cast, English voice cast, so like Crispin Freeman and and the others? Are we talking Japanese voice cast? Are we talking about the series creators? I mean, that's a lot of autographs. I don't know. A couple honestly. of the guys from ECW. 
Just randomly. <laughs> just randomly. No, um, like Tommy Dreamer. Uh, it says, uh, oh, here we go. That's right. You can get the Ultra Edition signed by the series creator himself, Hitoshi Yoshioka. Okay, okay. So it is It is. Uh, it is the creator of the Irresponsible Captain Tyler. So an autographed copy for $300 with one autograph. $350. For $350 with one autograph. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> That's a hundred and fifty dollar autograph, is what that is. If it yeah. was like the the entire creative staff, the original Japanese voice cast, the original um, English voice cast, okay, that might be worth the three hundred and fifty dollars. I imagine that would be a logistical nightmare right now. Maybe, but I mean, think about it. It'd be worth it. One autograph, not worth it. I'm sorry, three fifty. Fuck that. I don't know. I'll have to ask uh, Superfan Matt if he is. Uh, I'm assuming he's pre-ordered one of those. Uh, he is a big fan. I, I believe. Of, oh, yeah. I believe so. One of his I believe so. I'm, I'm curious if he ponied up the three hundred fifty dollars or not. He, he probably jumped on that Kickstarter as soon as he found it. You can go to rightstuffanime.com slash post slash Captain Tyler Ultra Edition. I'll put that in the show notes uh, if you're interested. And, uh, yeah, check it out for yourself. There's a video there with the announcement and uh, all kinds of information if you are curious about it. I mean, it would be fun nonetheless. I mean, just getting a Blu-ray set of that series. Because I did watch it myself um, a couple episodes, at least the first episode, and found it to be quite the romp. It, a romp is a good word for that especially, anime. Especially the scene where he was seducing the ho- the virtual reality holographic <laughs> instructor. Yeah, that we talked quite a, if you want to go find out our comments and thoughts on that, go back to that episode because that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's my nerd news. So, video games. Who wants to talk video games? I want to talk video games. I always games. want to talk video games. So, um as no one has known yet because I've not really talked about it except for maybe a couple of times when it was first announced, I'm actually a, a fan of the Monster Hunter series. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, actually, say it actually isn't Monster so. Hunter has um thoroughly replaced Overwatch at this point in my life. That's fair. Like like completely. I really got into Monster Hunter World and its uh um expansion Iceborne and just last week or you know at time yeah, of about, recording about, about about a week ago, yeah. Um Capcom ad- announced next update for um Monster Hunter World is the final update. Um no new monsters, nothing like that. They announced that they have a whole new Monster Hunter game coming out for the Switch. Yes, it Monster is. Monster Hunter Rise. Yes. Um, from what I've seen of it, this may very well be the thing that will have me forego getting a PS5 and get a Switch uh, and wait for the PS5 to drop in price for a while. Or if my PlayStation 4 finally dies. I don't know yet. Uh, now, I, I saw this on, it was part of a Nintendo Direct Partner Mini, which they've been doing um, throughout the last several months. They had they did not, because of E3 not being a thing, they decided right. to, I think, spread out a lot of their announcements over different events, different smaller events, in part because of that and also in part because, you know, the global pandemic is still going on and, you know, companies are not necessarily all working to max capacity right now, so... You know, right. there's there's a lot of uncertainty, but uh, that that particular event was really fascinating because of just that game looks super neat. Mm-hmm. Now, now, have you ever played a Monster Hunter game, Andy? Um, the only time I ever played Monster Hunter was I got a demo of I believe it was Monster Hunter Generations for the 3DS. Okay, okay. I think it might be Generations. 
and that that's definitely where the massive draw and a lot of the um diehard uh fan bases is is portables um because mm-hmm. the game really the series made its prominence in the portable market, especially in Japan, where portables are such a big thing. A lot of people are like hoping that, especially like veteran players are hoping that this is a return to classic Monster Hunter because for some reason, some people thought World was an abomination. Like, why? <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I see, I don't, I don't know about that so much. I guess maybe some people, maybe like the diehards did, but I think generally it, it got a lot of critical acclaim, that particular game. A lot of people absolutely loved Worlds. World is the most successful IP that Capcom has ever had. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a company that's been around for what forty, almost forty years. I right, it has that has things like Devil May Cry and Resident Evil in there. You and know, Mega Man, and I mean, oh, yeah, we're yeah, talking, Mega Man. We're, we're we're talking a company that was around before video games, mm-hmm. and, but made its prominence in video games. Just to have that game be its highest selling, its biggest draw, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, and yeah, but but yeah, a lot. Of, but then again, too, we, we've kind of. I've come to the realization that nerd culture is extremely elitist and has to have have to be the ones that say I liked it before it was f- it was cool. The hell you say? Yeah. No. <laughs> but I'm very excited for this game. It's it's um graphically it's similar, not not a hundred percent on par with World because we are no. you know the Switch has. A definite um, graphical limitation compared to the PS uh, PS4 and the Xbox One. Yeah, of course. But it's a gorgeous looking game. Uh, the new additions to it look like a lot of fun. I am eager for the Palamute. Mm-hmm. In case Bill doesn't doesn't know, um, in Monster Hunter, uh, you usually get a cat companion known as a, a Palico. Well, this one's introducing a dog companion you can have as well called a Palamute. That you can ride and it fights with you and everything else. It looks really cool, dude. That dog is crazy in that game. Uh, I remember yeah. watching. I, I remember watching. Like it's already like basically got a lot of elements of Spider Man to it with the yeah. weird little bug that you like attach to and then, like you you yes. fling yourself like a like a like the the Jaegers. No, what are they? What are they in? Uh, oh, Attack oh, on Titan. Um, yeah, you're talking about the 3D. Uh, uh, the omnidirectional maneuvering. Yes, those, those things, right? Right, uh, right. So, like, but then, like, you also have, like, he's riding a dog, and the dog is literally, like, running vertically up, like, oh, a cliff. Up a wall. <laughs> like, yeah, that's been, happening? like, that's been one of the big things, too. It's like, it's more vertical. There's there's all this verticality, because well, even World um, even world was still a little limited on its verticality. It had more, it, it had more to offer than any previous Monster Hunter game, but this one has stepped it up. Well, you're starting to see games release that are starting to figure out how to take the general aesthetic and world of uh like world explorability of legend of zelda breath of the wild and incorporate it into because you know you have this is an example you've got the new game uh i think coming out from i can't remember what company it might be ea uh the phoenix the phoenix uh phoenix rising game uh that's coming out that also has a lot of breath of the wild inspiration i think Breath of the Wild being like one of the the most influential games of the last like three years of right. you know it, a lot of people are finally starting to go like well I want to do my spin on Breath of the Wild essentially and that's kind of right, what we right. get here. that's that's definitely been a a joke that's gone around a little bit about this game instead of calling it Monster Hunter Rise it's been Monster Hunter Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. yeah that's basically people have said yeah but I I've really came into my own with Monster Hunter World um, I mean I played some of the earlier titles but 
I could go on forever as to my yeah. issues with it, but I'm very excited. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said, I may very well uh, purchase a Switch or at least a Switch Lite so mm-hmm. I can play this. Um, yeah. And if that, that does happen, Andy, will you play with me? Um, if it reviews well enough and if the, the, even if it reviews not stellar, but they say the multiplayer is fun, I'd give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, and Monster Hunter games are a lot of fun with other people. I, I play with Thurk um, a lot on uh, when I play Monster Hunter World. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's good okay. stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Enough of that. I'm done. Uh, Bill. Uh, Bill, do you did you have anything for this week's nerd news or not? Uh, a bunch of announcements from Hasbro. They kind of had their their virtual convention over the weekend. Is that BotCon? Uh, no, the BotCon's a, a kind of a third party Transformer. Convention. Oh, okay, okay. I can't remember the Hasbro. Hascon. Yeah, I think it isn't like that. Brocon. <laughs> but yeah, they've released a bunch of uh, new information on the Transformers War for Cybertron Kingdom. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get some Beast Wars characters remade. Mm-hmm. Question on that because I saw I saw the uh, Optimus Primal. Yes, I know that some. Of the, I don't know if the current one is, but I know some of the lines have also corresponded with a cartoon. Yes, uh, there was like the the war of war for Cybertron. I think it was what it was called. One yeah. Of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is like is this just like a special edition of like an old Beast Wars thing, or is there like a Beast Wars cartoon coming? My understanding is this is because War for Cybertron is a trilogy, right? So it's Siege. Earthrise and Kingdom. So Kingdom, this is going to be a series, from what I understand. Yeah, I don't know if Kingdom is going to actually go back into Beast Wars territory or not. Um, they just announced that they're doing another season of War for Cybertron, uh, and that it will be based on Earthrise. So it's it's possible. Interesting. Hmm. But yeah, I don't really have any information yet on what you know the next season of the Netflix show will be. Okay. So what what are the specific figures that stood out the most to you in this line? I know that. You know, I don't know if we we talked a little bit about it maybe on on mic, maybe, but mostly off mic, that you're not as jazzed about some of the stuff they've been doing recently, some of the practices recently. Um, but is there anything that you think from what they, what you saw that you might be willing to get? Actually, a lot of the Beast Wars stuff, that was even more so than original G1, Beast Wars was kind of my jam. Um, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. where I started collecting for real. The Cheetor is cool, but man, I have a lot of Cheetors already. You have a shit ton of Cheetors. That's because they made a shit ton of Cheetors. You have a four. You have a fourteen. Was it fourteen inch Cheetor? It's it's Titan class size, isn't it? Oh, uh, it was an Ultimate class at the time, and I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I it, mean, relative. It's big. Wise, it's, it's, it's big. big. Yeah, it's it's big. If anything, it's actually taller than the Titans. Not as bulky. Not as probably not as heavy, but it's mm-hmm. taller for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rat Trap. I probably will get. I always liked Rat Trap. And especially at their, their new basic, or they're calling it the core class now, the smallest ones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for 12 bucks to get a, a real nice new rat trap, eh, I'll probably go over there. And the leader class Megatron is going to be kind of hard to turn down. Yes. Um, I would, I will jump on that. I'll admit. I was not going to spend the, what, $500 or whatever it was to get the masterpiece version. I think, I think usually masterpieces range about, Two two fifty. No, the 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 Megatron was crazy expensive. Really? Yes. Oh damn! Um, I didn't realize it was that expensive. No, it was crazy, crazy expensive. But the fact that this thing is coming out to fit that niche and the the sculpt on the dinosaur head and it is cool as hell. It definitely. I saw that dinosaur head and it immediately made me think that they were drawing heavily from 
the cartoon because it looks like the way that they had in one of the pictures, it looked like how he would pontificate <laughs> in dino- in his dinosaur mode. Well, even you know? well, obviously they are because the black arachnia looks like black arachnia from the cartoon. It's not just a right, right, a half-assed tarantulas repaint. Right, but I mean the look at um the 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 Megatron dinosaur T Rex face mold looks like it has the character's signature smugness. No, that's what I'm saying. That, but looks very yeah. The car the toys came first, and then the cartoon happened. Uh, so right. now the fact the cartoon exists, they're trying to make them look like that for sure. True, true. Playing on nostalgia. Yep, and I just I just pulled it up, and the. Masterpiece MP43 Megatron from Beast Wars was uh, $320. That makes, yeah, I, I, yeah, that makes That's sense. only $30 less than a signed copy of uh, the Irresponsible <laughs> Captain Tyler. Hey, way to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to have to say I am probably going to be jumping on this line. I've been really big on the War for Cybertron line um, to the point where I'm running out of space to store them. <laughs> like I'm literally looking at the ones that I have on my desk and my return to work is tomorrow. And I've got to clear some space for the computer for work. <laughs> yeah. But do you have a mirage? I've got <laughs> two mirages. Uh, okay. Well, fine. That's the only transformer I have the, from the last like 10 years. And that was because you gave it to me. <laughs> yeah. And you, and it, actually I love this figure. And, and the reason why I got two is because this one, was the special edition for the TV series. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, nice. and there's a whole reason why he looks Decepticon, because it's Mirage. He's a, he's um, he's infiltrating right. in one of the episodes. and But I had to get the, the original color scheme because I really liked it. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, but yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> I've got too many. <laughs> so, they're doing, so they're doing a whole line of, of Beast Wars, or Beast Wars, basically, then. It's not the whole line of Beast Wars. They are mixing in, uh, there's a Cyclonus they're making. Ooh. Uh, and Warpath. And the Warpath. And, and, of course, another Optimus. Because you have to have, can't can't go a line without making another Optimus. It's true. <sighs> right. They're doing weaponizers that they're calling uh, fossilizers, which are kind of the same thing, but it's a dinosaur skeleton. And mm-hmm. does, they don't look good. And I mean, the product shots don't look great. I no, it, it, like I said, they're kind of fine, but they're not. They don't do anything for me. I probably won't bother. So we got... Irresponsible Captain Tyler, we've got some Transformers, we've got Monster Hunter, and we also have a brand new series that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Gungrave, and hey, this is Josh's pick, and this is Josh's stick. Uh, hey, Josh. Yes? Tell us a little bit about Gungrave. Sure. Gungrave is a 2003 anime adaptation of the PS2 game of the same name that was released a year earlier in 2002. Now, the biggest thing to take away from this is the character designs, and those characters were designed by Yasashiro Naito. Hey, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that's Trigun. Yes. Hey, uh, two things about that. Number one, did anyone here ever play the Gungrave video game? 
I played the second Gungrave video game, oh. uh, Overdose. There's a sequel called Overdose. I didn't Overdose. realize there was a sequel. Yes, there is a sequel game. Um, There was actually a teaser for a new Gungrave game coming out, but there hasn't been anything for a while. I think that was like a year ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yes, there was a second game called Overdose. I never played the original Gungrave, but I played Overdose because I was a big fan of the of this anime, and my my uh, DVDs that I still own have trailers for yeah. Gungrave Overdose. Is it like third person shooter kind yes, of thing? It's, it's a third person shooter game. So um, very much, you know, go through a hall, wave of bad guys, bang, bang, cool, cool, cool super moves. It's a little Devil May Cry inspired, you know, very stylish, over the top stylized action, uh, that sort okay. of thing. You know, over the top bosses, over the top bad guys. At least when I played Overdose, Overdose wasn't bad. I mean, fairly standard PS2 stuff for the time. It's surprising that the series got created, this anime got created. I mean, it was was a well-received game, but to be adapted into an anime, very rare. Um, It's usually the reverse. It's usually the anime comes out and then there's a video game adaptation Mm -hmm. in, in one form or another. Um, not very often that the source material is, is strictly a video game. There's no manga, uh, no original manga, I should say. It was the game, then the series. Okay. No, that's interesting. The animation studio was uh, Studio Madhouse. Also sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, best known for uh, Helsing and mm-hmm. Helsing Ultimate. Uh, then the, the series was written by Yos- Yosuke Kuroda. The music was by Sunio Imahori. It ran in TV Tokyo in Japan, and then when it got released in the United States, in, in North America, it was uh, G4, or uh, um, at the time it was actually Tech TV, which eventually became G4, which is now not an existing channel at all. And that's actually where I first saw it, was on Tech TV. Really? That was on Tech TV? Yes, it was. Um, Tech TV for a while was showing off a lot of anime. Huh. And uh, Gungrave was one of them. Now, it was licensed originally in the United States by Genion Entertainment, but has since, uh, the license has been picked up and, and now held by Funimation. There was also, uh, there, it was licensed in Australia by Madman Entertainment and MVM Films in the UK. The series ran from October 7th of 2003 and concluded March 30th of 2004. 26 episodes, no second season. That is about all that I have from Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, a bastion of research he is right there. Um, hey, hey, I stayed up for minutes looking this up. Minutes! God. That's more research than I normally do. I carried him through high school. I, I Yes, that's true. <laughs> Bill, my second question that I forgot until now is um, the mention of Trigun. Obviously, the connection here between this anime and Trigun. I was just kind of curious because, Bill, that was your anime, the first one that you brought yes, to the table, uh, Season 2, which was our discussion of Trigun. Before we dive really too much into this, I'm just kind of curious before we get into Episode 1, like, what do you what do you make of that sort of connection between Trigun and this anime? Like, was this something that you looked at immediately and you're like, yes, this is it? You know, like, you know, did you look at it and say, like, oh, I, I never would have thought that? Like, like, what are your thoughts about this being a kind of a follow-up almost in a way? I mean, that's definitely a, a plus, as much as I love Trigun. I, knowing it's not a direct sequel actually is probably a good thing. 
Uh, but that counteracts the fact that it also was a video game. So we know how video games turn into other media, <laughs> how that how that goes usually. So, well, here in the states, yeah, <laughs> yeah, usually not so well. Yeah, Resident Evil movies, anyone? I don't want to think about them. <laughs> well, not not even in the states. That's not a. I, I've seen the Tekken anime. No, that's true. Like Tekken was not great. I enjoyed it, but it was not a great anime. That's that's for sure. Do you remember that there was actually a live action Tekken movie? I never saw it. Neither did I. I don't think anyone did. I think it bombed <laughs> before it even released. Do you guys remember the Chun Li movie that came out like maybe like oh yeah seven yeah. eight years ago? Yeah, that didn't was it have, no, didn't not, it have Idris Elba? Not till you said it. Idris Elba in there. Uh, I'm trying to remember who was all in it. I just remember it ca- It came out, and I went to go see it. This was back when the really cheap theater was still around in Moline, the, like, $5. Yeah. Oh, God. And I, I think that place. I'm pretty sure Ray and I, we went to go see that and, like, two other movies that day, all on $5. But, like, I remember going to see that film, and the the theater, like, the, the tape, like, the, the roll or whatever, like, screwed up, and it, like, started to slow down. It was like... Er, I'm Sean Lee. And it was like that for like 10 minutes, but we didn't go complaining. So like, whatever, like this makes the movie actually a little bit more bearable. <laughs> the, the best thing I've ever seen in that theater was poultry geist. So that, that tells you something. No, that, that absolutely tells that you something. That and, and Mil Mascaris versus the Aztec mummy. <laughs> I'm kind of on board for that. <laughs> that movie was so hilarious just because it was, oh, this is a world ending threat and we must, uh, we must take care of it immediately. But first I have a world title match. I have to go take on <laughs> and would break down into a Lucha Libre match. And That's then he'd go back to fantastic. fighting this, this, this Aztec mummy. <laughs> That's fantastic. Holy it, crap. It was awful <laughs> in the right ways. <laughs> Highly recommend it. Mil Mascaris versus the Aztec Mummy. So, I think well, that about does it for our history lesson of Poultrygeist and Mil Mascaris, uh, the professional wrestler from Mexico. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's get into episode one of Gungrave, shall we? Alrighty. We open with darkness and lu- liquid, with Moody monologuing about making the right choices. And we see people watching a slow-moving cowboy very slowly getting up from the chair, not unlike how my grandfather gets up from the chair from a chair anymore, you know, complete with like random hoses popping off his back. And I mean, my grandfather oh, no. does that nowadays. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, but definitely just this. This and I mean, really, so slow, so meticulous. This these first few 30 to 45 seconds right yeah i mean i guess they're trying to set a mood yeah like everything everything's like in a weird like red tint <laughs> see something happening he pulls out these guns and shoot shoot bang bang ivory white mooks uh get, are getting blown into pieces can we talk about the guns though before you all oh, those guns yeah those, those guns look familiar to you <laughs> i was gonna say in general I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to this anime. The, the mechanical design, the gun, not just these guns, but the guns in general and, and other machinery all look excellent. Much like we were used yes. to in Trigun. Oh yeah. Like that's my thought was these guns remind me of Vash's gun. Yeah. Vash and knives. Yeah. 
I believe the guns are called super, uh, Cerberus, actually. You don't get the, um, they're called that in the video there, game. There's a little paragraph movie. at the very top when it says gun grave and it says like beyond the grave, blah, blah, blah. And it, I can't read the whole thing because it goes by too fast, but it says the guns known as, known as Cerberus. Right, right. So, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. Just the, just pulls it. And I mean, you have to at least admit the coolness of this character already. He's already rocking a gothstone cowboy look. Mm-hmm. He just points out without even looking at bang, 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 just shoots the ceiling and wastes this white mook, this ivory white mook immediately, and then just starts going buck wild from there. Yeah, the mooks are weird looking too. These like weird crystalline, like. I don't know. They have like, barcodes on their foreheads. And they're hor- are horrific. They don't even come across as crystalline until they die. Yeah, no, it's true. They're just kind of like these weird pale, they almost kind of look gooey. Like like the creepypasta of the rake. Yes! That's, that's kind of what they look like. Okay, that's it. Because I'm like, I was trying to like pinpoint kind of what it reminded me of, and I think that's exactly it. In the midst of all this, we hear a young and totally not annoying and useless Ugh. teenage girl declare that his name is... Brandon Heat. We even get a little monologue um, by Brandon Heat, uh, who is voiced by Kirk Thornton, but he's credited, and this is going to be a thing, the voice cast, we're going to come, come across some pretty well-known uh, voice actors here, but they're credited differently um, in the series. So we've got Kirk Thornton, but he was credited as Ron Allen for Gungrave. And my prevailing theory is it was 2003, um, the big anime boom hadn't quite hit yet and i don't think dubbing was considered the most um illustrious of jobs as as it's become now so i think a lot of the cast was still looking for their bigger you know on-screen breaks so they went with the non de plume the the so they so 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 they don't want to be connected to a video game adaptation <laughs> Anime. Right, right. This was a job to pay the bills at the time, so, somewhat. You know that sort of. Also, thing. I'm not. I'm not sure. Nom de plume is the correct nomenclature, dude. Yeah, for <laughs> when you're talking about like, uh, when you're talking about this, probably not. But, um, but either way, like, like the idea that they're like, you get the idea that like, well, this is not going to be something I want to be known for. Like, that's not a strong start potentially. I can kind of see it uh, as well. As I said, back in the day, um. Working working anime and working anime dubs was not exactly the, you know, respected field that it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the fan base certainly was not there. I mean, we're still talking about a day and age where, where a lot of diehard anime fans religiously watched the Japanese uh, and, and subtitled versions and stayed away from the dubs. Or fan subs even still. Or fan right. dubs, I should say. Fan, yeah. yeah. Fan dubs yeah. and fan subs. <laughs> But yes, then we go to the theme song, which is called Family, which I love this theme song. It's very, I love it too. It's the most understated anime theme that I've ever listened to, but it fits how the series is. It fits the tone of the series. It definitely breaks um, the uh, crazy opening theme, mellow in theme dichotomy. Oh, totally. Even the opening sequence is very, I don't want to say subtle, but it's slower. You know, it's not very frenetic like a lot of uh, anime themes, um, animation-wise are. It's very much, here are our people. You know, you see Brandon, you see Harry, you see Maria, um, and you're seeing a lot of the stuff going on. You know, you see images of Grave, you're seeing guns, and, you know, very much, you know, these are the the basis here. You know, what what you're going to get. It's, Mm -hmm. this first episode, I'm just going to say it up front, and I will say it again in our thesis points, but this first episode... 
actually, I think, does not do the rest of the series service. I I don't know. Well, I'll talk more about and address that more at the end, right, too. Right. But looking at the at the music, though, and, and the, the imagery, I, one of the things I really love about the intro is there are parts, especially in the second part of the introduction, where it looks like it's being shot on like an old school camera. Like an eight millimeter. Yeah, like an eight millimeter um, or something. Real, I, I just like thought a like to real sort doing of yeah. doing that with like the modern like things we have in animation, like that because this anime is beautiful and is I think starting to make that transition into the much more smooth, high definition esque sort of like way of of kind of doing things and just having those things where like you can manufacture like almost like an old kind of video kind of thing there. Plus, like you said, the music is great. Like I love mm-hmm. this theme song. It's well scored. I don't love it in that it's like, oh yeah, here here we go. This is my jam, but mm-hmm. it's good. It certainly fits. It's appropriate, and no, it, it does look beautiful. We'll give you that for sure. All right. Well, we come back from our opening to a city view along a bay, and someone expositing that where they are is well outside the uh, pol- local law enforcement's jurisdiction, and due to the uh, criminal elements, it would make an incredibly ideal hiding spot. Uh huh. Your basic hive of scum and villainy, pretty much. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. Now, yeah. is, remind me, is this Brandon talking? No, no. This is some uh, Jerry Garcia-looking motherfucker. Yeah, oh, this is the this, this is the doctor, yeah, the old scientist, right? Oh, okay, right. I got you. But but seriously, when you look at him, he does kind of look like a a doctor, uh, you know, a professor version of Jerry Garcia. Yeah, he's. I don't really. I don't really care for the doctor. I don't really care for the doctor or Mika like in this at all. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's what, you know, we, we definitely see our never annoying and always helpful teenage girl and some Jerry Garcia looking motherfucker, uh, discussing, um, our now not looking like a cowboy because he is naked guy sitting on a chair surrounded by dozens of vials, which look like it's either filled with blood or plasma or a combination of both. And I'm fairly certain that truck is refrigerated too. Yeah, Bill, make sense of this for me. You're you're much more technologically savvy than the two of us. What the hell is that machine? What the hell is it? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I I really was sitting there trying to figure that out. I have no idea what it is. It looks like it's injecting maybe like a. But why would you need a, like a Gatling gun system to inject that much blood into a body? I I don't know. Some sort. Well, there are other colored chemicals too. I think it's explained later, but I think what it is, it's it's constantly refreshing, uh, recirculating, and refreshing the blood supply. I think that that actually does get explained a little further down. Um, what exactly our stoic protagonist is all about? Uh, once because there's one around his neck and there's one around each wrist. Uh, it doesn't seem to be hooked up. Like there's not, you don't see the hose. The hoses are in the back. We saw there's none like in his wrists and neck, which I would expect. But I also don't think they're restraints because they're restraints. They wouldn't be moving around like that. So I, I don't know. I think it's just there to look cool. Okay. I just thought maybe you'd have it's a like visual. some sort of idea. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like what exhibit looks like in the Within Temptation video for And We Run. Oh, yes. Oh, there we go. That's a great reference. I, I think. I think this is a good uh, example of um, visual storytelling because you're not given much explanation, but it does lend itself to showing that something's not exactly right about our big guy here. No, not our at big all. guy, big guy, not, not at all. Not, at no, all. no. Um, and I think, you know, they could have easily just, 
backed up the exposition truck and immediately explained, well, it's because of this and this is what I'm doing. And, you know, like we've seen it a lot. I think that this actually helps create more of an idea of that what we're seeing here. This is not normal. Yeah. No, he's he's otherworldly in some way. Our teenage girl who does not have an annoying screeching scream that makes you want to gouge out your eardrums. Her mother is close friend for this of this guy and that his name is or was actually Brandon Heat. And then our uh, our doc pretty much tells her, well, yeah, he's um, that's who he was. He was uh, I don't know much about him. He's what was known as a sweeper. And don't call him Brandon Heat anymore. Just call him Grave beyond the grave. I'm going to go get some, I'm going to go to the grocery store and he, 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 he get foes for a yeah, little while. Yeah, Grave would be fine, I think. Uh, his name, his name is Beyond the Grave was kind of dumb, but so is Brandon Heat. It's like, he's, he's just, he's just badass, <laughs> uh, assassin undead. His name's Brandon. <laughs> the, the names in this anime are terrible. No, see, I don't, I'm not as down on the names as you are. I kind of like Brandon Heat. I think that's a cool name. I think, uh, I I I I almost kind of like Beyond the Grave. I think that's also cool for like this strange, uh, crazy, monstrous abomination of a thing. Like it, it kind of. That's makes not sense. really a name, right. though. It's not a. Well, it's like well, neither it's a title. Neither are any of the names from Exalted, but like we still use those, like as, as right, like, the right. title for who they are. It's, think okay, okay, Bill, Bill. Think of this. Think of it as a professional wrestler. He is Beyond the Grave, Brandon Heat. Well, okay, there are quotation marks, but. He does do an Undertaker setup in episode two. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get to that. Come on. Stop jumping ahead. I know this, this, this episode's a little bit of a chore, but we'll I get know. through it. Can we please get through this episode? I, yeah, I want to get to episode two. So as our Jerry Garcia in a, in a lab coat goes uh, walking off to get his supplies, he starts uh, ruminating or thinking about uh, a person named Big Daddy and wanting to see how he'd be <laughs> reacting to his daughter meeting up with the man he chose, who has several scars that look like bullet wounds going up his chest and his left eye is a mass of scar tissue. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. No, just, just you know, not at all. But when I when I reminisce about Big Daddy, I'm thinking about something completely different. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. But um, Tennessee Williams, right? Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee Williams. Yes. Okay. We haven't quite got the name drop for this guy, but I'm just going to drop it now. This is Doctor Tokioka, or will be later no- just referred to as T. Um, he's voiced by William Frederick Knight and credited as thus as well. Okay. He doesn't give a shit about his career. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, uh, William Frederick Knight's a well-established uh, voice actor from, I want to say, the 90s. Um, he's done a lot of lot of voices. Uh, best known um, for the original Ghost in the Shell uh, dub, he was the uh, the chief of, of uh, Section 8. Okay. He was, he was um, the, the chick's superior. Yes. You're right. Our teenage girl explains that, you know, she's talking to Grave and explains that well, her mother was killed by someone called Harry McDowell, also known as Bloody Harry, the head of the Millennium Organization. Exposition! Right, right. By the way, just from Bloody Harry, at some point you guys are going to definitely find a bad guy who's going to be Dirty Mary. Yes! I fucking love it. Now, this news um, did does garner a reaction from Grave. He, he, he twitched. He, he twitched. Oh yeah, he twitched. So we cut 
to a badass gentleman in sunglasses driving a fancy sports car to what appears to be the largest building in the city. We see him join, joining a conference room with four other men, obscured by shadows and bright lights. And they're discussing the uh, whiteys that were destroyed, um, which are called Orgmen, and discuss that it is impossible, except for one time 13 years ago, and they will find and destroy whoever did it. All being proclaimed by pretty much what we assume as Harry McDowell, well, or this version of Harry, which is voiced by Tom Weiner, but he's credited as Abe Lasser. I was just saying, let's not call the Orkman Whiteys, because that, that's making me hungry for ice cream. Ha! <laughs> um, speaking of hungry, it looks like one of them brought their lunch to this meeting. <laughs> that seems like, rude. Is, like, like, yes. Like, yes. Just brought, like, a big honk of, like, like, like a turkey leg or yeah, something. Yeah, but he, like, it goes in, like, he sticks it in his mouth, like, end first. <laughs> And then brings out just the that bone. I mean, so very Looney Tunes. He he obviously has skill. <laughs> um. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely get into him a little bit more. Leave it to Josh to see that and be turned on. <laughs> I didn't say I was turned on. I mean, like, ooh, he's got. We can do that with that. I mean, <laughs> but our boss man or Harry um, is also given a photo of an old man and a young man. Which he then crumples up and throws to the ground and starts talking about Brandon Heat and how he hasn't thought about him and blah, 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 and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but your basic, like, angsty moment of, like, these guys are connected. Back at the slums, Dr. Jerry Garcia is monologuing, and our teenager is out shooting a gun and can't <laughs> like hit do. a... Can't, she, she just can't. You know, <laughs> she sucks. She sucks. Well, yeah, that's fair. That is a little, you know, that's probably what a, a pretty high caliber stub nose handgun. So it's that's not the most accurate thing in the world, right? No, and the fact that she's she's uh you know managing to you know not hit herself in the face with it, right? Says something exactly, exactly. Right. But while she's uh, shooting, we we get a flashback, and we get one of the two big reveals about her. She has a horrendous scream. And she even states her complete purpose in the series. I'm worthless. <laughs> her mom is apparently was we get. The oh, scene. yeah, yeah, yeah. Her mother being murdered was the actual. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we flashback. get the flashback of her mom getting iced. Uh, I think that's important to say. And she's getting like dragged away by someone. I think it's maybe the doctor. I can't tell. But she's getting dragged away. Yeah, but that that scream. Ugh. It was look, pretty grating. Right. I mean, her mom did actress, just get killed. Uh, the voice actress. You know, she's known. I am not saying anything bad about you, ma'am. But Miss Carrie Walgren, also being credited as uh, Kay Jessen um, at the time, who voices Mika Asagi, I commend you for what you did. But I, I'm sorry. I am not a fan of this performance. It was, uh, yeah, no, I agree. It, it's, I'm kind of glad that this episode then shifts away to, right, episode two, right. to like, but, past. But, yeah, just the whole... And then she goes, I'm worthless. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you are. You are. I get what her function is in the series, especially later on, but it just, it falls short. It falls short. And we'll discuss it later. Good news is we have more Orgman. Well, not quite yet, because eventually Grave gets up and goes for a walk. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Then we cut to some random bum uh, being attacked by freaky deaky Cyclopean terrors and then break card. Ooh, I like this part. 
Welcome to the break card. My name is Andy, and you have been listening to episode one of season six of Tuning Japanese, a podcast where we review Japanese anime. And this season, we're diving into Gungrave. And I know that Gungrave may not be the most topical of animes on people's lists, but it is something that is extremely important to Josh. It is an anime that I also very much enjoy. And Bill is already kind of getting into, as we'll talk about when we get to episode two, really getting into some of the past aspects and the mob aspects of the story that we're going to see after this particular episode. So it's going to be a great season where we dissect and talk about an anime that, if you liked our review of Trigun, I think you'll get a lot of interesting commentary similar since there's a lot of carryover between the anime Trigun and this one, although this one being a lot more serious than what we've maybe reviewed in the past, with the exception of something like Wolf's Rain. Hey, if you want to help support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash tuningjapanese, where you can leave a monetary donation, and there's all kinds of bonus content available there for you. We're going to be uh, doing some more bonus episodes and things. Uh, I just picked up the, finally got, I should say, from the Kickstarter, the fourth edition of Big Ice Small Mouth, and I'm looking to do a video review and put that up on our Patreon, as well as you can get like 40-plus bonus episodes, physical rewards, and all kinds of other stuff by helping to support us for as little as $1 a month over at patreon.com slash tuningjapanese. You can also leave us a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That, honestly... Taking five minutes out of your day to do that means a heck of a lot more than even the Patreon because you're helping the algorithm and helping more people find our content, and we could definitely use that, especially after taking a bit of a break. Uh, We were going to originally release our Mob Psycho review with Yata from my anime podcast this week, but I'm still working on the editing on that. That actually ended up being an hour and 45 minutes of discussion. By the time I cut it down, it'll be significantly less because we got on some tangents, but we had a lot of fun recording with Yata. We'll probably try to release that next week, so be on the lookout for that particular recording as well. I'm going to send us back into the episode. I hope you all are doing well in these hard times. And we'll be back next week with another review, whether that be our discussion of Gungrave or Mob Psycho 100. Either way, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Hey, we're back from the break card. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more about these Cyclopean horrors. Uh, later. Okay, later. Fine. Because we come back cool to Mika having wasted all of her ammo trying to shoot one can. Doesn't hit a sink. I mean, she's like got dozens of bullets there and she wasted all of it and didn't even, <laughs> and her didn't line, even graze it. Her line is like, I'm going to need to find more bullets somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, she sees Grave taking a walk and she decides to join him. While he's walking, we, we hear our Jerry Garcia. Uh, looking guy talk about once awakened his mind will be controlled by something called the past whether he likes it or not such a stupid line (laughs) (laughs) well yeah it was really dumb i i do it is i did pause it there and go wait a minute did he say what i thought he didn't rewind i'm like yep that was a stupid line i don't know if that was a translation issue or just being overly pretentious I think it's overly pretentious. Um, I think our good doctor was stuck in my ultra gothy poetry phase in our, in my early twenties and never got out of it. (laughs) Oh, that's fair. No, that's fair. He waxes, um, poetic and it does sound extremely pretentious. Oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Agreed. So, then we follow our two walkers, and really, not much happens. Just, you know, Grave doesn't talk, and Mika doesn't stop talking. Well, actually, she doesn't stop complaining. Mm -hmm. Listen, if you're going to go for a walk and your leg is injured, suck it up, buttercup. Especially if you're following a hulking monstrosity that's not talking, not very certain if he's even human, and isn't even acknowledging your existence, just deal with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she at least admits, yeah, okay, fine, yeah, I was the one that decided to follow you, but still, mm-hmm. like, teenagers. <laughs> yeah, no, I, this, this all tracks. <laughs> <laughs> they do eventually stop at a derelict building where Grave just drops to his knees and is having an apparent migraine, which passes... Within a moment or oh, two. I thought he was mm-hmm. going to turn into a werewolf. Because, like, he's all... Oh, because of the sharp Yeah, and he's shaking, and he falls down, and he just shakes his butt in there. I was like, he just started twerking. He <laughs> had a twerk attack. <laughs> <laughs> a twerk oh, attack! There's the title. <laughs> That's a title. There's That's the, a title. There's the fucking title. I was waiting for it. There it is. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, but... After the uh, the twerk attack, um, they make their way to the cemetery, to a cemetery, um, at which uh, Grave stops at three pauper graves, um, and Mika <laughs> decides that she. <laughs> That's the term, isn't it? That's a pauper's grave, right? Oh, pauper, pauper. Like, you're just it. not enunciating it very well. That <laughs> pauper. Okay. You're, you're you're wanting to say a pauper a pauper's grave, but you're saying P-A-O. pauper's grave like. Well, like, okay, I surprise poppers. <laughs> it's like those things of uh, like the can of nuts yes. you open. And popper, just... popper. Okay, and my, and my brain went to gay sex, but anyway, go ahead. Yes, but still, they're don't, I don't think I want to know. Do I? You no, nah, don't worry about it. They're, they're standing at the popper graves. Okay. I was thinking like ejector caskets, <laughs> like. Oh, that would be so like great! Like, you step on a pressure pad and they pop out of the ground. Boop! That would be such a practical joke. <laughs> That's where I went. I think, I think we have similar props at the haunted house I work at that I'm not working at this year. That's fair. Well, that'd be a I'm cool, that'd be a cool... Yeah, are those cool, also cool used thing. for gay sex? Uh, <laughs> possibly. Why do you have to turn everything into gay sex, Bill? Me. Not everything's gay sex. Some of it is straight sex, too. It was not me. <laughs> to be fair, it was me, but anywho. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> can we yes, get back can. to this episode? Yes, so yes, yes, Thank yes. You. So, <laughs> while they're at the pauper graves, uh, Mika decides that she needs to make a grave for her mother because she ran away. And while she was so focused on getting revenge on Harry and meeting Grave and the craziness the, the previous night, she hadn't buried her mother who died earlier in the day. Kid, do you really know how how funeral how the whole funerary process works? Because I mean, that takes like a wait. Week. That was that was the same day. <laughs> you will find out later. It's um well the day before um at this point, but yes, I thought some time had passed. I didn't realize it was they they revisit the first uh the first half of the first episode later in the series, and and you'll find that it's the same day. I thought it took her a while to get hooked up with her zombie stepdaddy. <laughs> well, can can I mention too? Because I'm I've got the 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 video playing, just kind of just kind of watching some of the scenes, and this mm-hmm. is something I guess I maybe maybe I missed you mentioning it when he's going full on werewolf. There's He's standing outside the bar that we see in episode two. Or I hadn't mentioned it because I was going to, hopefully we were going to touch on that next episode. That's fair. That's fair. I think it's worth mentioning now because I know we're going to, I'm going to forget at some point. 
Well, I, I think she even said that this is a place of your past or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But tell me he's not twerking there at the end. No, he's totally twerking. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Twerking. Definitely. So, while she's making the grave and, you know, monologuing about how much of a shitty daughter she is, because she is, Grave decides to help out and gives her... Picks up this, <laughs> this so huge boulder and he's got this very sweet smile and she's just like, no, that's just way too big. I'm thinking, kid, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a half you know, a dozen like pebbles is not a grave make. No, yeah. Um, but then he, you know, it's a very touching moment. I mean, th- this is actually a really, I-, I like this, this moment because it's very much a shared connection. They share a connection. They share a moment, these two. And you know, Mika's not annoying. <laughs> uh, Grave is very sweet. And then it gets ruined by Cyclopean terrors that he throws the boulders at. Yes. Yeah. That was a great moment. He does his impression mm-hmm. of me bowling. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is true. Well, uh, while when the Cyclopean terrors come out, there's a hit squad that shows up and unload their ARs like they're a 19-year-old kid. And Grave is a peaceful protester in Wisconsin. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know where he was going with that, but it wasn't good. <laughs> No, that's so dark. Um, no, yeah, they they. I'm gonna stay topical. They go, they go complete ham with their guns here. Oh yeah, yeah, but it it, it has no effect. No, in, in we, fact, we we see that because the guess doctor, it's best, right? I, yeah, he he shields Mika. Yeah. Um, and um, Tokioka actually gets a indicator um that something's going on with Grave. Uh, we get a quick cut to that, but while, but yeah, he's he's shielding her, and then the guys are finally done. You know you know, protecting uh, property that's not theirs. And um, they, they start walking to grave. And I guess the best way to describe it is he sheds the bullets. Like they're, they're in his body, but they don't even break his skin, but they, they stay in his body until he starts moving and it. They, he just sheds them off. I think it's the best way to describe it. Yeah. No, I think that's a good way to describe it. All right. Can we talk about this motherfucker and his like cracking joints and fingers? Yeah, that was, that was, that was maybe one of the better things of the whole episode. They decide to send out an orgman who apparently is uh is on on steroids because I mean he's just ripped. Well, not at, not at first, but then he rips out of that sharp suit. At first, it's like here comes the men in black. Right. I mean that was a nice looking suit, and he just destroys it by by hulking out. I mean it's the best way to look at it. He hulks out, but yeah, he has this very weird finger twitching animation. Mm-hmm. And then he just explodes. Yeah, it's crazy. And then I'm wondering exactly how much the organization uh, puts uh, down um, for funds for suits for the Orgman. They're probably not made of very good material. They they buy them off. <laughs> they buy them from like uh, discount retailers and <laughs> yeah, some bulk. They're off the rack. They're they're from Michaels. Yeah, yeah. They're Halloween costumes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Oh, it's actually go. just a t-shirt. Nice. With the... <laughs> yes. They has fight. Uh, the Orgman <laughs> just goes nuts on Grave. I mean, he's just pummeling the shit out of him. I mean, he even curb stomps him at one point. And then finally, Tokioka shows up and also displays some really excellent uh, driving skills with a semi because, I mean, he just busts. <laughs> he just comes whipping that thing around. I mean, it's like Fast and the Furious type driving here, mm-hmm. honestly. He Tokyo drifts uh, in the way and goes, oh, you're going to have a fight grave? Hits a few buttons and launches this, what's best to describe as a giant hunk of metal it is, with a skull in the middle of it. It is the Punisher cross from Trigun, but I yes. put a casket instead of a cross. Right. That was my thought, too. Right. And then it, it spits out the handguns and grave <laughs> just immediately just pulls them out, starts pew, pew, bang, bang. 
um, and drops the Orgman. Until the Orgman jumps back up, turns his hands, uh, his hands and fingers into cannons, and then he starts pew pew bang banging, um, grave. I mean, in the midst of I've heard of handguns, but come on, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, these are not bullet. These are not bullet blasts. These are like weird energy blasts. Right, right. In the midst of the chaos, Grave sees the uh, the popper graves. He sees the one that was being created for Mika's mother, and he says. Maria. And for some reason, I guess that was a trigger word because it activates the giant casket. Martha. A, <laughs> a trigger, a, a trigger and handle just pops out. He runs to it and just. It's got a machine gun and just blows up the organ. Uh, my favorite part of that, the design of that is the chain. Mm. Instead of like a, like a leather strap, there's a literal mm. like metal chain that he puts around his shoulder. It's a, it's a cool design. I, it is a cool design yeah. weapon. I think yeah, it is. And it really does neat. so much. Oh, and, and, and Bill, you, you haven't seen the craziest. You still, still, Bill, you haven't seen the craziest shit that that thing does. Later on, Harry is informed of the uh, destruction of the Orgman. He's like, oh, what's going on? We sent a, a kill squad. We had an Orgman. We were supposed to kill that bitch. And then guy on the phone tells him, oh, hey, well, we've got some images downloaded from the Orgman here. uh, You're going to need to see this. He sees it, sees the the image of Grave looking more like Brandon. And he starts going on about how he's going to kill Brandon all over again. Brandon's going to... uh, Going Whaler. to you know betray him again. This that he will destroy them all over the world, and that's the end of the episode. Uh, hey, before we do our review, let's talk about the end theme. Yeah, yeah. So the closing theme is when the sunset turns red, and that's actually performed by holy shit. This is not a typo. It's a uh, uh, Scooby Doo. Wacky, I'm gonna sing the anime song. <laughs> now I want to hear Scooby Doo doing the end theme for Trigun. <laughs> so, so what are your thoughts on? I said it because I knew you'd do but, it. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Sacrifice. <laughs> so, but, but what are your thoughts on this closing theme? I, I, I it. like it. I it's, lo- it's again, it's mellow. I think it, it helps book and the the kind of crime life um of the opening theme mm-hmm. and and gives you kind of this sense of hope of of a better life yeah even though the visuals are all just like usually a bunch of guns like you've got like again a similar art style where you get like the kind of scratchy grainy sort of like footage which i kind yes. of like but yeah you like you, it's a memory yeah absolutely it's definitely like memory-esque memory light yeah and i think maybe th- that that might be a good thing to point out or or say that the opening and closing themes the images and all that I think we're looking at Graves' memories. Yeah, I could see that because they're like little flashes. Mm-hmm. It's it's in his perspective, and he he sees the the dark life that he led, and then saw the hope that he was aiming for. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, yeah, so that's the closing theme. Uh, Bill, yeah, thoughts on I, it? I, it was fine. I didn't really have a. It was kind of pretty. I was expecting since the opening was so like chill. I expected maybe the ending theme was going to be the one that was nuts, but. Yeah, it was. It was also just chill, so it was fine. I, I don't really have a lot of opinion okay. on it. I think there's a lot of good subtlety. Um, subtle is a good phrase to do with a lot of this series. I think I agree, totally agree. But that's that's the episode. Uh, what, what was the title of this episode? We didn't uh, say it. Oh, uh, uh, Destroyer in the Dusk. Destroyer in the Dusk, episode one of Gungrave is in the can here. Hey, but before we close up. Let's talk about our general overall thoughts. Josh, this was your episode and your pick. Talk about episode one a little bit. 
if I had seen this this as it was intended to be the first episode of the series, I might not have gotten hooked into the series. I actually, the first episode I saw of Gungrave was two episodes from here, was episode three, which I'm glad I've revisited. Um, but honestly, and I said it earlier, I don't think as far as an opening goes, it does the series service. It doesn't give us what we're going to actually see here. I mean, yeah, we're going to see some, some over the top action in the latter portions of the series, but it really doesn't do anything to help establish a whole lot. It establishes grave kinda. It establishes Mika kinda. It establishes Tokioka kinda and Harry kinda. It's all just kind of there. Uh-huh. Okay. It 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 feels like that they didn't quite have a strong idea of how they were going to direct the narrative until the next episode. Yeah, I agree with that because again, we're I think one of the reasons maybe they went this route, not just the classic will give you an idea of where it's going to be and then flashback and then kind of work our way up toward it, which some TV shows and animes will do. Uh I think right, that right. I think that this one, you know, they almost kind of had to start with this because it's based off of the video game and the video game is like, it's that character. It's not the, at least as far as I know, it's not the character that we're going to see in episode two. Like really. It's not the extensive origin story that we are going to get. That really makes this a great story. I'll, 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 yeah, sorry. So so don't need to put words in your mouth. No, no, you're right. And so episode one has to kind of feel like the video game to feel like the proper IP. Cause I think if you start with, Episode two is episode one. You're going to have some people who are going to immediately turn away from it. So it, it's a little taste of like, hey, the cool stuff is coming, but we have to like we want to we want to actually make this a narrative. And to make it a true narrative, we have to really dive back into the past and the history to see where he got to where he was. We are going great. to flesh this out. We are going to do our world building after this. Yeah. And I okay. and I feel like. You know, when you look at it from that perspective, this episode isn't that bad, but I, there are flaws, obviously, in this first episode, because it doesn't, it gives us a little taste, but I don't think does enough to do so. Um, also, good point to to point out here. When I first started rewatching this, um, the first night that we watched it, I had Monica with me, and she was having a migraine. Not a good episode to, with all the no, very bright no. colors and screaming Mika. No. I don't recommend this episode if you have a migraine. No, and, and I don't think this episode, and maybe this is indicative of the series too, I, I don't think the, the combat is as fun as something like Trigun or as well no. thought out as something like Trigun. And for something that comes no. from a video game that's a shooting video game, you'd think there would be more cool moments. And aside from the, the casket gun, like that's like the only cool combat we see in a very combat-heavy episode. I think maybe that's coming from a video game is part of the problem there because you're literally just I've never played the game so I don't know but I assume the game didn't have very cinematic fights it was just press the shoot button right right it, as I said it was very similar to the Devil May Cry games where the fights are are cool looking but that's the the series does not have good uh good choreography for most of the fights um some of them some of the latter ones do um especially with Bungie. But you just you just can't have good great choreography in a video game because it's a video game. Right. What no, I'm not saying the um the choreography of the video game, I'm saying the choreography of the anime. Oh, okay. Not that yeah, no, I, I wasn't yeah. blown away by it. Right. Right. Um but I think that also helps to helps to to ground the series though too. 
um, because there are a lot of gunfights, but it's like real, it would be how like a, a real gunfight would function. You know, a lot of guys hunkering down behind, behind, you know, something that would repel the bullets, you know, trying to shoot, trying to find, trying to find a way to get the upper hand. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's very realistic, and and we'll see that um in in a lot of these episodes going forward. Oh, totally. If we see that. I mean, we see that in. There's a lot of more realistic anime and and, and things that mm-hmm. do that really well. You know, things like even like Cowboy Bebop. That's mm-hmm. how those those gunfights usually play out too. You know, right, right. But it doesn't have to be high octane, exciting, over the top. We're going to telegraph our special move while screaming it at the same time. Uh, this is not the anime uh, no, for that. No, that's true. Uh, Bill, you kind of gave a few things, but what are some of your overall impressions of this episode? I do agree with Josh that if this was probably the f- this was the first time I saw an episode, and had it not been part of this, and it was just something I was watching, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it. Mm-hmm. You know, there was literally no dialogue from the protagonist at all. There's no real sense of what's going on. It was a cool, a few cool designs, and that was kind of it. I was not blown away because I literally started this anime today, right. um, and I watched. Uh, about a half dozen episodes, and I, I I'm more interested in the gritty crime story that's happening in the past and mm-hmm. flashback than the monsters and zombies. And it's not the anime I thought it was, and it's not the anime I thought it was based on the first episode. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think for me, starting at episode two, that's when it gets interesting. And mm-hmm. and I and I agree. We'll we'll talk about when we get to that point eventually. But once it starts heading toward like the more weird zombie supernatural things, I'm a lot. Le- I I become a little less invested. The first half of the series is probably the strongest. Yes. the The middle the middle is where the series struggles, but the end. Oh my god! Once we get to yes, that, the end, end is good. The 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 last few episodes are fantastic i agree with that but we'll get there we'll get there right right but we still got to get through a lot of episodes like episode two next time which is called young dogs it'll be my review we'll go over and kind of look at the past and see who is brandon heat who is harry where did they come from right where did they go where did you come from cotton eye joe (laughs) hey bill hi hi will you take us out of here Gladly. This has been Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. And I can't seem to remember where things took a turn for the worst. I'm Bill. Did I make the wrong decision after all? Nah, I'm Josh. And was I wrong? Probably. My name's Andy. And we will see you next time. Bye bye You both made some bad decisions. Thanks for listening to Tuning Japanese. For more information, visit our website, tuningjapanese.com, like our Facebook at facebook.com slash tuningjapanese, and follow our Twitter at tuningjapanese. You can also get a hold of the show by sending us an email at tuningjapanese at gmail.com. Check out our YouTube channel and our new series, Tuning RPG, by searching for Tuning Japanese or Tuning RPG on youtube.com. Please help support the show by going to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review. You can also go to patreon.com slash tuningjapanese to get all kinds of bonus content and help support the show monetarily. Seriously, be like these great patrons. Superfan Matt, Brian Nash, and Cameron Baer.
What? She got away? Where was the Death Squad? We added Orgman to the squad so they'd be fully prepared, didn't we? It seems the girl had a bodyguard. What kind of bodyguard? I went ahead and forwarded you the data that Bob has been able to extract from the memory of the fallen Orgman. Boss, you better get ready for this. What Bob found is very surprising. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So you are alive, Brandon. Well, are you going to betray me once again, Brandon? If so, I'll kill you over and over again! I'll destroy you forever!